0: quarter to three games podcast for basically the week of E 3 june 11th thereabouts my name is tom chick and my game of the week is not bayonetta
1: and i'm jason mcmaster and my game of the week is not candy crush saga <laughs> Phew,
0: thank god i was worried we we're gonna have to hear more about that silly thing
1: oh yes no uh, i still
0: love it but no uh Jason McMaster, is it true or false that you are known in certain circles as the Alabama Thor?
1: Um, I don't even know how to respond to that. Um, <laughs> I'll, I, you know, I'll say true. Of
0: course it's true. Uh, at one point in Fast and Furious 6, someone refers to Dwayne Johnson as the Samoan Thor. And I first thought, well, if Dwayne Johnson is the Samoan Thor, Jason McMaster is the Alabama Thor.
1: Well, thank you. I, I like being on an equal footing with Dwayne Johnson and something.
0: I am known, by the way, McMaster, as, uh, the Arkansas Blue Beetle. Oh, well, I mean,
1: we all knew that. <laughs> <laughs> so how was Fast and the Furious 6? I know you're a big fan.
0: Uh, yeah, it's, it's uh, you know, it's how it's, you might as well ask, how is Fast and Furious 5, 4, 3, 2, and 1? And the answer is <laughs> pretty much the same. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, So uh, I wanted to uh, quickly, before we start, apologize to a fellow named David Brevik, who many of us know as the founder of Condor North, which or Condor, which became Blizzard North. They made the first Diablo. Uh, David's had a fairly illustrious career since then. Uh, He has worked variously at at Turbine, uh, at Flagship. Uh, he is now uh, the head of Gazillionaire Studios, and they've made a nifty little free-to-play action RPG called Marvel Heroes that McMaster and I are going to talk about. Uh, Mr. Brebik was kind enough to actually join us, but I, Tom Chick completely, tomchick the Arkansas Blue Beetle, completely flubbed the scheduling. Uh, so on this crazy busy week of E3, when Mr. Brevik was like, sure, I'd, I'd love to talk Marvel Heroes with you guys, and he even had a game of the week, I don't know what it was, uh, we may never find out, I screwed up the scheduling. So apologies to Gazillionaire, to their PR agency, and especially to Mr. Brevik himself, because uh, and to you listeners, because instead of now getting uh, valuable insight into the creation of Marvel Heroes you get to listen to two guys who have played it prattle on about whether or not they like it. So uh, that's what's going on this week with the podcast. Um, so, uh, McMaster, let's just get this out of the way right off the bat. What level are you in Marvel Heroes?
1: I am a couple of different levels depending on the hero. but
0: don't uh, no, get to highest add the levels. levels together. Yeah, you do not get to add oh. the levels together. I'm like,
1: uh, I think I'm level 4 on Hawkeye, which isn't very... very I knew you were... uh, I just, I don't know why I try.
0: uh. Uh, Ask me what level I am. Uh, What level are you, Tom? 19. (laughs) What do you think of that? Uh, It does kind of invite... So it's a weird approach to... Not a weird, it's a different approach to the whole action RPG thing where you normally play one character. Um, it seems like the idea is they want you to jump around amongst different characters. Anytime you're playing, you can press the hockey is T. You can press the T button and your character does a little animation, like he or she is, is calling in, uh, an extraction. Uh, and at that point you bring in a new character to replace them. So it would be like playing Diablo. And anytime you want, you can swap out, you know, your witch doctor for your barbarian or, or whatever. Um, so, McMaster, I'm guessing this has played a part as to why your highest level is four.
1: Yeah, I, I, uh, I've i bought a few characters just to kind of mess around with them. So, yeah, uh, I've just been kind of doing the first uh, couple of missions with different guys and stuff.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, McMaster, would you pour me a little of that? Oh, yes. You know <laughs> Thanks. I uh, except, uh, do you have any ice?
1: Uh, yeah, hold on. I I don't have my Foley set up going. I mean, uh, how do you even Foley ice, I guess? I think you Foley ice by putting ice in a glass. That's a good point. I don't know why I would think uh, that would be anything else. (laughs) If
0: I was a Foley artist, that's probably how I would do it. I don't don't know. I've never worked in that field. Um, So, uh, let's then get down to brass tacks. Okay, McMaster, what characters are you playing? Uh,
1: I've been playing Deadpool um wolverine typical uh (laughs) oh well who have you
0: been playing i my level 19 is gene gray of course of course uh let's see i've also got a um uh what is my other i just neglect my other ones pretty much uh i've dinked around with a little wolverine who's my uh my main alt i can't even think of who my main alt is oh it's uh it's uh deadpool The one you just mentioned—the guy who's got the the knives and the guns—yes, that's that's Deadpool's superpower. I don't know if you know this: is that he can use both knives and guns,
1: and he's kind of crazy. So that's another
0: superpower. He kind of breaks the fourth wall. Yes, I don't know how I feel about that.
1: And hey, man, you know he's great in Marvel vs. Capcom uh, Three.
0: Well, you know, interestingly enough, McMaster, that's my touchstone for a lot of these characters because I'm not into comic books. I've certainly seen the Avengers movie uh, and loved that. But f- for me, that that was the whole thing with playing Jean Grey is I looked at the roster and I'm like, well, you know, Captain America, whatever, Iron Man, whatever. you know, these are all movie things. But, hey, Jean Grey sure was awesome in uh, Marvel vs. Capcom. That's the character I'm going to play. Couldn't tell you the first thing about her comic book persona i vaguely remember famka jensen playing her in the movies but for me it was totally all about marvel vs. capcom which is a little odd isn't it
1: yes yes it is a little odd (laughs) yeah she's uh she's all over those
0: movies in fact what 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 are you doing well she does something like she has i remember there's a finale in one of them where hugh jackman has to like do a boss battle against her and it rips his flesh off and but they're in love so it's okay well, isn't that pretty much the plot of X-Men 3 or one of those? I think that's the plot of most of those comics. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, that's not, for me, it was totally the touchstone. The touchstone was playing Marvel vs. Capcom and how if, she's got this weird thing where I think if her health gets down to a certain point and her boost meter is built up to a certain point, she can convert into this crazy, fiery uh, basically, it's an I win button, where she converts into Phoenix and just sort of kills with fire whoever else is on the screen uh, so I always liked that that dynamic and they do that very well by the way with I think her skill tree um, so, so let's talk some about the particular characters uh, what from the ones that you have seen how do you feel about how differently they do or don't play
1: you know um, they well you know I mean actually most of the characters I've been playing do have range but uh, I mean, uh, I don't know really. Uh, they 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 all seem kind of kind of sameish to me, but it's probably just the characters I'm playing. If I mean,
0: well, it it looks like a lot of what they wanted to do, and I, I again, I'm sorry we couldn't get David here to. I'm sorry I screwed up David being here to talk about their approach, but one of the things that they apparently struggled with, uh, I would I would assume, is how much do you make each character a soloable build. And how much do you let them interact with other characters? Because one of the unique approaches of Marvel heroes is that it's not structured like a normal action RPG. It's always online because you are always in an MMO type world where everyone else is is playing at the same time. Hold on, let me put the cat outside. All right, there. Uh, so you're you're running around and you're you're beating up on on bad guys, but there are also other players doing it alongside you at the same time. So. One of the things I'm surprised about is I don't think – well, you know, I think there is, but I haven't seen it. I I wonder, is there a traditional support character? Uh, And I think Captain America, for instance, has a lot of uh, auras, which are buffs that apply to nearby heroes. Um, So I think – but otherwise, it seems like everyone has to be able to tank, heal, and DPS. Uh, I
1: think uh, think Storm is listed as
0: uh, a support character. And I've certainly seen a fair number of of storms around, yeah. Uh, So, yeah, so it it also, part of it, too, is as you get, the skill trees at first glance seem fairly small, especially if you're comparing it to something like Diablo or certainly uh, Path of Exile, another great free-to-play action RPG. Um, But uh, I think the skill tree, there's a lot more to the character build than just the skill tree, of course. Um, any good action RPG also is going to have a, an element of what you do with loot. Um, and so th- that's a big part of how you boost the characters, uh, how they play. There are, and I didn't notice this until later in the game, there are things called artifact slots, um, which every character has two of them. Um, and the artifact slots seem to do some kind of crazy, impressive things. Um, so, uh, you know, even though the skill tree looks pretty small... Uh, it seems to me like there's still a lot you could do with the characters, and because you're playing different characters, there's a lot of variety in terms of swapping out uh, amongst the characters. Um, so, what, uh, have you gotten a sense for how, did you say Wolverine was your main McMaster? Oh, no, uh, a Hawkeye. Hawkeye. Guess, but uh, Yeah. Uh, and do you have a sense for different ways he can play, or I guess at the early levels, if you haven't gotten that far up the, into the skill tree, you're probably not seeing much of it. Um, but, no. but do you have a sense for how he might be varied or how different Hawkeyes might play differently?
1: Yeah. I mean, I can, you can definitely see him as a, um, as kind of like partially support, uh, range damage. Cause, uh, I'm, I'm thinking that he gets, uh, some crowd control. Okay. Um, later on, but,
0: uh, yeah. Uh, I, so, uh, Jean Grey, uh, at this point, I've got her up to level 19. The level cap, I think, is 60, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, every character at level 30 gets an uber power. Uh, at level 30, I can finally do a Dark Phoenix. I think it's called a Dark Phoenix Tempest or something like that. But uh, most of her Phoenix powers are just traditional fiery Phoenix and I think there's a special Dark Phoenix power that happens. I don't really know what it means, but I, I get it at level 30. Uh, so I'm level 19 out of, out of 60. And at this point, I feel like there are basically, and this is partly how I uh, spent my points. I could have spent the points differently, uh, but I basically have four different ways to play Jean Grey uh four different approaches to any group of enemies. Uh the default approach is to use a, a a debuff that I can aim at a cluster of enemies called telepathic lethargy. And it uh debuffs their attack speed, their movement speed, um it creates a little animation around their head so everybody playing can see that they're debuffed. And then I pick them off with a ranged attack called a uh, psychic hammer. So that's my main approach is to just debuff everybody and then psychic hammer. Bam 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 bam. One of my other options is that when she gets swarmed, when a bunch of dudes pack around her, I have these debuffs that emanate from her as the center. You know, the telepathic lethargy, I can aim somewhere. But uh, I have something called Mind Crush, which stuns people in an, a radius around Jean Grey. And then I follow that up with something called Kinetic Wave, which pushes them back. So that's my other approach, is to run into enemies, or when I get swarmed, is to Mind Crush stun them, and then Kinetic Wave to drive them back. Uh, my third approach, and this is dependent on a unique resource that Jean Grey has, a lot of characters have something like this, called Phoenix Power. And normally the way it works is as she gets kills, her reserve of Phoenix Power builds up. It's a lot like, you know, uh, what, Rage in World of Warcraft, or, or you know, it's like an attack boost kind of thing. And it builds up, and at any given point, as I'm getting kills, I can press a button to transform into the phoenix, and she sprouts these crazy fiery wings, and it's this elaborate animation of her burning and flying, and at that point, she's this cool standoff. She throws fireballs, basically, Um, and the phoenix charge gradually drains, so I've got limited time doing that, but as I get more kills, it fills up a little bit. Uh, so if I get in the right groove, I can sustain this phoenix form for a long time. Uh, and it's a standoff fling fireballs ability. But recently, I've been able to fold into Jean Grey's skills a phoenix charge, where she can rush forward in phoenix power, and she does serious damage to anyone in the path of her movement. And furthermore, I can press a key to toggle something called phoenix tempest, which is an area around her, and it does—it's it, this, this fire emanates from her, and it does constant damage to anyone standing in the fire. So sort of the fourth way I can play her is convert to Phoenix, and then rush into enemies and activate this Tempest, which burns them. So at level 19, as I'm trucking along, I feel like I pretty much have four distinct approaches to any group of enemies. Uh, and it, it's pretty gratifying. I feel like there's a fair amount of variety with just this one character uh, as, as I'm going through the content.
1: Well, I mean, Hawkeye's main, like, close-up thing is he kicks and stuns, like, mm-hmm. knocks people down. Mm-hmm. So he's, like, mostly his damage is all ranged. Um, but he has, like, a few different shots that, like, knock people down or stun or freeze
0: them. So I think he the taser, kind of like crowd he gets, control. like, a taser arrow that's one of his first yeah. things. I, and it, it, like, links damage to two enemies with a cool little visual thing. Right, yeah. yeah. Uh, so Hawkeye, by the way... Uh, Well, let's talk the business model a bit. Um, It's free to play. When you join, there are five characters that you can play for free. Uh, However, if you want anyone, and then you will find uh, from one of the early quests uh, a second character. So you pretty much get, without paying a nickel, two characters for free. There's no limit on how much you level them, on what loot they can access, on what content you can access. Uh, If you're content with those two characters, you never have to spend another dime. Uh, McMaster, where do we go from there? You spend a dime. (laughs) Um, And what does... Yeah, go ahead.
1: Um, and you can purchase many different characters.
0: Uh Aha! Or costumes. Or Uh all sorts of stuff. Uh, and have you purchased... So, how do you... Have you purchased anything beyond your two free characters? And if so, how do you feel about the pricing? Um,
1: the pricing's pretty high. Um... I purchased um, Deadpool, and he was uh, 2,000 magic coins or whatever they are.
0: Basically 20 bucks. I mean, if you buy coins, if you buy the money in bulk, there's a slight discount. But for all intents and purposes, Deadpool was one of the $20 characters. Yeah, Right. Uh, Deadpool also, for instance, I noticed there, there are costumes for each of the characters. And at first, I couldn't care less about the costumes. But as you're running around... Uh, I think there are like 20, 25 different characters in the game, and you're seeing other instances of yourself, you kind of start to wish, I i, I want to distinguish myself. You know, I, when, I, when I am uh, on a little area and I'm fighting and another Jean Grey comes up, it's like that embarrassing moment that we all know at a party where someone shows up wearing the same dress that you wore. McMaster, I'm sure you know the feeling. I do. It's horrible. <laughs> so when I see another Jean Grey running around, I'm like, well... Damn it, now I feel like I want to buy another costume so everybody knows that I'm this Jean Grey and not one of these vanilla, boring Jean Grays who can't buy a change of, of clothes. Um, so the costumes, some of them are pretty ridiculously priced. And I noticed Deadpool has an absurd pirate costume. Have you seen that, McMaster? Uh, I have not, though I am interested in, in in that. Are you still interested if I tell you that it costs $20? Mm. Not as much. <laughs> yeah. Uh so in, in the pricing it's it's there's clearly and I would have loved to have asked uh, Mr. Brevik about this, there's clearly a they're they're trying to read some supply and demand situation. You know, they're trying to price the things in high demand much higher. Uh so for instance, uh Iron Man, twenty dollars. If you want to play Iron Man, and, and that's, by the way, that's I'm really tempted now. I mean, I'm really liking my Jean Grey, but I saw an Iron Man running around doing a really cool uh, – it's got to be one of his advanced powers. You know, normally he's just flinging repulsor, repulsor beams out of his palm, but I saw an Iron Man doing a really cool chest beam thing. It's just this killer beam that shoots out of his chest, and I was like, oh, man, I, I want to play Iron Man, but it's 20 bucks like for another character. However – if you just wanted to play, say, cable, six bucks. You know, there's like yeah. nobody wants. Yeah. So uh, the, the pricing is odd. They're clearly an Iron Man, by the way. Has something ridiculous like 15 different costumes, many of which are just slight variations, like the Mark IV Iron Man versus the Mark V Iron Man. It all has to do with, uh, you know, like how much red versus yellow is in the costume, which I'm sure some nerds care about because before an Iron Man movie comes out, you see people dissecting screenshots of the Iron Man suit and how it does or doesn't look like something in the comics. So I feel like Gazillionaire is definitely reading their market uh, rather shrewdly. Um, but i don't know that i'm going to fall for it. Uh, oh you will. Really? Do you think so? Uh, maybe i will. I mean, you know, that's the thing about an action rpg mcmaster is as you're playing, as you're leveling up, and this works wonderfully in League of Legends as well, as you get attached to a particular character, you start to think, you know, maybe i'll i'll spend, you know, six, ten, twelve 12 bucks to gussy her up, you know, to make her look a little yeah. different. Yeah. And that, that's how it works. It gets its hooks into you. you know? It makes you care about something that you didn't care about when you started playing. You, you invest in it with your time. So, you know what? Why not invest 10 bucks to make her look nice? Uh, so, who, who knows? Um, so, uh, they've also said, McMaster, that, that sometimes, you know, there, this is a loot-driven game. Uh, you can get characters as in-game drops, supposedly. Uh, yeah, Pastor, was, how many? that's yeah, what I was going to ask about. I was right, well, Professor, how many of them, of them have you found? So you're out, you're fighting, you're killing things. Uh, how many in-game, how many characters have dropped from uh, as loot for you? None. <laughs> yeah, exactly <laughs> as many as I have found. <laughs> uh, and I'm sure it's possible, just like I'm sure it's possible to find a legendary item in Diablo 3. Um, but it hasn't happened to me. Uh, yes. Yeah. I, I have seen some people playing. They get little icons next to their names. And I'm wondering, are those purchases? Are those like people who bought some special pre-order at GameStop or something? Or do you know what those are, McMaster? Those uh,
1: are, if I'm right, uh, they have founders clubs and stuff for a lot of games. So I think that was like people that purchased the game early via their website or purchase some sort of, like, founder package. Okay. I think that's what it is.
0: Uh, McMaster, have you messed much with the... Uh, so the loot, of course, every character doesn't change your visual appearance, uh, doesn't change your appearance, but every character has, I think, about five or six slots for equipment. Um, have you gotten much of a sense for the loot and crafting system? No, I have not. So, also, things get dropped in addition to equipment, uh, and as you're playing, of course, you'll find equipment for characters that you don't have. Um... Oh, yeah. You will also find uh little bits and baubles that feed into the crafting system. And if I recall correctly, these are things like uh genomes and isotopes and they're given these little quasi scientific names. And you find them at different levels and you can craft three level ones to make one level two, and then you can craft three level twos together. You know, you mix them together at the crafting dude who's uh right. I think he's he's Ant Man at Stark Tower. Later on when you're at uh the X Men mansion, it's um I think he's named The Forge. Uh, So you go there and you craft three level 2s together to make a level 3. And then you put three level 3s together to make a level 4. And what you do with these things, these little scientific bits and baubles that you can combine to upgrade, um, there's a couple things you can do. You can use them to make, uh, for all intents and purposes, potions. Uh, And these will increase your damage, your speed, things like that. Um, And... I, As a person who's normally reluctant to use potions, any time I play a game where you've got like buff potions, I tend to save them until I'm really going to need them. So I get to the end of the game, and I've got about 50 of them stacked up, and I've never used them. So I'm trying to break myself of that, because they're, it, it's really easy in Marvel Heroes to, to give yourself a supply of these potions for a damage boost or a speed boost or a survivability boost. Uh, so that's one of the things you can do with the crafting. Another thing you can do uh, with the crafting is um, upgrade your uh, blue items into legendary items. Basically, you can take a nice piece of gear and, and add stats to it and make it better. Alternatively, and this is a power that a vendor unlocks, uh, real quick to back up for a second, when you get loot you don't want, you can, of course, sell it for money. But I was convinced for a while, and I changed my tune about this, and I'll get to this in a second, that money wasn't very useful. I, I, I now feel differently. But you can sell it for money, and since I didn't feel that was useful, here's the other thing you can do with loot. You can, I think it's called donate it to a vendor, and this stores up XP for that vendor, and when the vendor levels up, he gives you a new tier of gear or loot or, or abilities that you can do with that vendor. So I've been throwing all my extra loot at the crafting dude, because there's also an armor dude uh, and there's a weapon dude that sells you loot directly. But the crafting dude, as you level him up, as you throw all your extra gear, it, as you throw it to him, uh, he unlocks new things you can do with those crafting baubles. Um, so one of the new things you can do with these crafting baubles, I think this comes in at like level 3 or 4, is if you find a really awesome, sweet blue artifact and at this point I think blue is the highest rarity for a character you don't have you can convert it to your character's gear if you level up the uh, crafting dude that's so nice. that's one of the things that I've as I was sitting on this great Captain America shield and a Thor helmet uh, and thinking, okay, I'm going to buy Thor, I'm going to buy Captain America. And when I finally decided, no, I'm not buying any more characters, I'm just going to play Jean Grey, I was elated to discover that, hey, I can now convert these blue, cool items into things that Jean Grey can use by spending some of these scientific, uh, scientific bits and baubles that, that are part of the crafting system. Uh, so there's that. You can even, by the way, unbind an item. So McMaster, let's say I get... You know, an awesome Jean Grey hat. All and right, you, let's say that. Let's say I've got it, and I've equipped it, so it's bound to me. So once I grow out of it, you can't have it, McMaster. Sorry, when you start leveling up your own Jean Grey, I can't give you this as a hand-me-down because it's bound to me, right? So you're out of luck. You're just going to have to wear whatever little gray hat you can find laying around the open world, right?
1: That just hurts, man. But yeah, well, you know I what?
0: Guess. well, McMaster, since you're my buddy, and I would only do this for the Alabama Thor... I now can craft an, an unbinding potion, <laughs> a one-use t- one unbinding token, uh, where I can release this piece of equipment, and then I can give it to you. So what do you think of that, McMaster?
1: Oh, that's pretty cool.
0: I mean, I'm probably not going to do it because it's kind of expensive, but theoretically oh. I could do it. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I appreciate it anyway, I mean. It's well, as they say, McMaster. It is the thought that counts, right? So I get credit for thinking about it. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. That's it. <laughs> sure. Why not? Uh, the other thing you can finally do, and this this is something that it's it's buried a little deep in the game, and I would hate to think that people would miss this. Um, each character, you know, when you buy an alternate costume, it comes as an equippable item, and each character has a costume slot, and you start with just your default costume item that you put in that slot. This item can be uh, upgraded, and it's a fairly expensive upgrade. Uh, you, uh, you have to craft together a bunch of the scientific baubles to, I think, levels three and four. And when you get the right combination of them, you can basically craft them onto your costume, which determines how your character looks, to add various tiers of upgrades to your character. Now, this is a gamble. It's a random roll. It's a bit like, you know, gambling in Diablo or, uh, you know, the Forge in Guild Wars 2 or whatever. You, you're never sure what you're going to get, but you throw these, um, these scientific bits, these upgraded scientific bits onto your costume, and it gives you a permanent bonus that's attached to the costume. So, for instance, with Jean Grey, uh, there are various tiers of this. The bottom tier of costume upgrade I got was just a damage bonus to all attacks, which was pretty sweet. But then the second tier, a more advanced one that I got, and I'm sticking with this one for now, I might try to swap it out later, is a crazy damage boost to my critical hits. So what this has done is made me now look at gear that improves my chance for critical hits with a closer eye like that's the kind of gear that I now want because I've got this crazy damage boost to critical hits associated with my costume uh, and that's an end that's sort of a mid to end game uh, sink for these crafting baubles uh, which I'm really enjoying uh, now I, m- I mentioned before McMaster that I thought money was useless uh, that was until I found a vendor who sells artifacts now uh, there are artifact slots. Every character has two of them. I found a couple of artifacts that I'd equipped. I've only actually found two, so I've got them both equipped. No big deal. Uh, but, however, I recently found in the X-Men mansion, and it's making me wonder if I've missed other ones, someone who sells these artifacts, and they're, they're kind of expensive. <laughs> like, right now, since I've just been giving all my gear to the, the vendor to level him up, I've only got 5,000 space bucks or credits or whatever they're called. Uh, this vendor at the X-Men Mansion sells these crazy artifacts called, I think, Bloodstone Totems, and they tend to cost about $15,000. Oh. And they're super expensive, so it's basically three times as much money as I've got now, but I really want them. They give you uh, cool, unique abilities and, and even powers. Like, for instance, there's something called a, a Bloodstone Panther Totem, and if I equip that in an artifact slot, I can uh, enable, I can, I, it's a power I can drag to my little power bar. I can get a crazy speed boost for like 30 seconds at a time, and it's on a two-minute cooldown, and it also improves my attack speed. And anybody who's done action RPG math knows that attack speed boosts are, are huge. Um, so I really want that thing, and there's a, an artifact that lets you turn invisible for a while. Uh, so, the, so the artifact stuff, which seems like a significant money sink, is, uh, is, again, an, a significant part of the character build, I, I think. Yeah. Uh, I have an artifact now, McMaster, I'd like to tell you about. It is the Shield Motion Tracker. Oh. What it does, uh, and if you party with me, McMaster, you can't use it, but you can benefit from it. Okay. I can now see uh, enemies on the minimap. map they, they show up as red dots. So by running around, I can tell easily where the clusters of enemies are. I can see on the minimap much farther than I can see in the game world. And furthermore, here's a cool little bonus it has. This shield motion tracker gives me a, a plus 25% damage bonus when I attack from maximum range. So and it's a little icon of a satellite. So I like this idea that it's uh, it's some sort of like shield satellite feed that lets me see motion and gives me a bonus for uh, ranged attacks. Which is perfect oh, for my Jean Grey, who's got – she's kind of a glass cannon build.
1: Um, no, no, that's pretty cool.
0: Well, it's, it, it, McMaster, it's bound to me, so I can't loan it to you. I'm sorry. No, whatever, man. Uh, You're halfway. uh, You know what? Here's what I can do for you, McMaster. I recently discovered one of the early things you get during a quest is a a vendor summoner. You know, it's something like it's a potion you use that summons the vendor. So if you're out in the field and, whoops, I'm full of stuff, do I teleport back to Stark Tower or wherever to sell it, or do I keep fighting and just throw away all the greys? Um Instead, I could drink this potion and summon a vendor. I thought this was a consumable, because I've seen this in other games. It's a consumable. You use it once. Uh, like most consumables, I've been saving it until I need it, which will probably be never, because I'll never use it, because I'll always think I'll need it in the future. It's not a consumable. It's, it can be used. It has a cooldown of, 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 like, five minutes or whatever. It can be used repeatedly. What? And furthermore, McMaster, when I summon the vendor, you can use her as well. What? What? So Because I've seen these phantom vendors just hanging around in the middle of the the map somewhere that other players have summoned. And I'm like, why is that vendor there? Oh, somebody used their potion. But again, it's not a potion. It's something you can use repeatedly just with a five-minute cooldown. So, McMaster, stick with me, and you'll be able to sell your loot in the field.
1: All right. I mean, it sounds good to me. Yeah. I have something like that kind of in World of Warcraft, but we won't speak of that tonight.
0: Well, I'm sure we'll get around to that when we talk games of the week. Oh. <laughs> I'm sure we will. Now,
1: Mister Funny. <laughs> uh,
0: okay, so McMaster, one of the, uh, how do you feel about the use of the IP? Um,
1: so far so good. I don't think they've done anything wrong. Uh, so I, yeah, I mean they they actually uh, have so, have a, a pretty good pedigree on the story, if I remember correctly. It was, uh, oh,
0: yeah, uh, Brian Ben-Ben or whoever wrote the story, right?
1: Yeah, uh, Brian
0: uh, Michael Bendis. Mm, I'm pretty sure it's Brian Ben-Ben, yeah, the guy from, from HBO's hit series Dream On.
1: Yeah, I think that's
0: it. You're right. <laughs> right. Uh, describe a bit about how they tell the story. They
1: tell the story via uh, animations and cutscenes, and through running through levels of the game.
0: I like the cutscenes. They're cute. Like uh, yeah. they're they're spirited. It's uh, it, I think they call them motion comics, where it's not traditional animation. They're drawings, and the drawings have depth of field and they shift and stuff. But there's no like lip right. syncing or uh, I mean it. You know, just sort of looks like cute stylized comic book panels. Um,
1: yeah, they they are called motion comics. Um, there's a specific style to doing them, and yeah, it's it they're really cool looking. I like them. Uh,
0: who is the voice of Nick Fury? you I recognize that?
1: It's not Sam Jackson, is it?
0: <laughs> no. Uh, it's the Arbiter from the Halo games. Oh, it's uh, either – I'm going to – this is so uh, – I feel bad. I I promise. It's either Ernie Hudson, David Keith, or Keith David. I have a hard time just going by voice alone, keeping them straight. We, I'm going to go with uh, Keith David. Okay. It is. So who's a Childs from The Thing. Is that him, by the way? Yeah, the yeah. I and uh, They Live – uh, right. Yes. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so uh, I just he's and and the other voices they've got I don't recognize many of them but uh, you know good voice work. Um, yeah. I wish there was more in game chatter because I always enjoy when Deadpool you know chimes in uh, every now and then but a little too rarely for my taste. Jean Grey will say something. Uh, you'll be playing and you'll hear the thing. You know say something about time to clobber or whatever uh like all that stuff i i I wish there'd been a little more of that um sure because it's a nice bit of flavor
1: yeah Yeah, i see what you mean there but yeah it's uh otherwise it's pretty pretty good
0: Uh, mcmaster let me put it this way would you care as much about marvel heroes if it didn't have the marvel license um
1: yeah i think actually it's not too bad well actually i don't know that's a weird question because it, it certainly has that um, ultimate alliance uh, yep. f- feel to it, so uh, yeah, it's hard for me to, re- to really say. Um, uh, it's a it's a good game, but it, it certainly it feels like a Marvel game.
0: I, I it, it seems to me that you, there, yeah, the, the game design is good, but. I'm not sure that I would have stuck with it necessarily long enough without the IP. Like, the IP is what got me interested. I liked having to decide, you know, am I going to get Jean Grey? Am I just going to do the free character? Like, the fact that there was an IP attached to it was the hook, and it got me interested. Um, and, and it's only after that initial hurdle with the hook that I'm starting to really dig into the game design and appreciate what they're doing. But if I'd been told there was a free-to-play action RPG, you know, I had a hard enough time with Path of Exile, which is a really good game. Yeah. Um, but it does have a, – a, the, the genericness of it is a bit of an obstacle to me. Um, yeah. And I've powered through that, and I really appreciate their unique selling points as a free-to-play action RPG. Um but I don't feel that I ever would have played Marvel Heroes if it didn't have the IP. Um, so I, for, for me, it's a huge part of it. Uh, I'm enjoying it. But I, I do feel, and I think this is where we agree, McMaster, that even if it didn't have the IP, as a game design, it would still be every bit as good. Um, yes. Uh, uh, so uh, there's that. Uh, have you So the end game, which is, is something neither of us has, has experienced yet. Uh, you know, I'm level 19 out of 60. I haven't even gotten my main power uh, in the storyline. I think there's something like, I want to say 12 chapters, and I'm on chapter 8, so there's more content there. Uh, I've noticed these terminals in all of the town hubs, or both of the town hubs, I've only seen two, I don't know if there are more, for daily missions. Uh, and I think there might even be like weekly missions and they're colored missions. And I've gone there and I've looked at them, but they require something called a cosmic key. McMaster, do you know how I can get a cosmic key?
1: Um, a cosmic superstore?
0: (laughs) How many space, is it going to cost me space bucks or real world money? If it's real world money, McMaster, I'm going to flip this table right now.
1: It's, I don't, I don't know. Is it real world money? I don't know.
0: I'm worried. I'm a little worried.
1: Uh, well, it's, it's, you're afraid it's going to be like one of those things like Guild Horse 2. The, uh, the amazing cannot manage to ever find a lion's art uh, key.
0: Oh, well, you have the chest, or the Black Lion Trading Company, or whatever it is. Well, the thing about the, the thing that I found about those Black Lion keys in the chests is that what's inside there is has no gameplay implication. It's all goofy little cosmetic stuff. So I don't mind finding those and not having keys. If, however,. And this is something I definitely wanted to ask Mr. Brevik about, and I would have, I, I feel like an idiot for having not looked into it, because I thought Mr. Brevik would be here, and I could ask him, but I screwed that up. If they're locking the end game behind micropayments, I, I am gonna flip this table right now. Uh, if, however, it's just something that you have to grind, I'm okay with that. I'm totally okay with that. Uh, like I, I feel like at this point, y- you know, you can jump in with a free-to-play character, if you're happy with that, and the first character you randomly unlock, this game is never going to ask you for a nickel. It's every bit as generous as Path of Exile, which is another great free-to-play action RPG that you can play without feeling like you're required to pay money. If the idea is that they're going to get me attached to Jean Grey, and I'm going to reach the end of the story and get into that end game, and then they're going to start making me pay for Cosmic Keys, uh, it's going to sap a lot of goodwill. Uh, so I'm hoping that's not what's going to happen. Because I do like... Uh, this reminds me a lot, McMaster, of DC Universe Online for a couple of reasons. Um, DC Universe Online, uh, you could reach the level limit pretty quickly, and a lot of it after there, after that, was grinding for bits of gear uh, to, to raise your stats. Um, but unlike most other MMOs, it was very action-based. You know, it was it had a very uh, interactive hack and slash feel, and they really nailed that action RPG vibe of just running in and beating up a bunch of stuff as a superhero. They did a great job with that with DC universe online. And I feel like that's the same thing that's happened that they've done with Marvel heroes is they really get that glee of well done hack and slash. Uh, However, I am a bit concerned, you know, what's the long term implications of this? Am I going to run out of content and then suddenly have to start doing a lot of uh, tedious repeat grinding? Cause that kind of happened with DC universe online. Um, so, we'll, we'll see when we hit the level cap, I guess. Yeah. Uh, McMaster, let's see. I am disappointed, and this has to do with the IP, that you and I can't do uh, an Aquaman and Robin team-up.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I, I think I think that's the biggest disappointment of all.
0: Now, you would be playing Robin. I hope you didn't have any designs on Aquaman.
1: Trust me, I'll take Robin. <laughs>
0: Uh, Alright, so uh, have you done any of these crazy boss battles yet? So you have, uh, you're running around the open world and you're doing your quests and when you go into a boss battle for a story quest, you enter an instance and it will group you with other people so you and other people beat up on the boss, uh, you know, a small group of people. However, they also do these crazy uh, open world events which is a bit like Guild Wars, a bit like Defiance, uh bit like rifts the idea is that here's an open world where everybody's running around and every now and then an event pops up and it draws everyone to it Where you have got a crazy battle so the first one that most players will see is there's a, a dockyard area and venom gets loose and runs around so you'll just be on your way to a mission like one of your story missions is to find a base in the dockyard whatever you're, you're looking for it and you're killing dudes and you get an alert hey look venom is over here and there's a little icon pointing off to your screen pointing you to the direction of Venom. And you're like, oh, you know what? I I have time. I can go kill Venom. I'm going to go this way. So you follow the little icon. McMaster, have you done this yet? No, I have not. Uh, This sounds awesome, though. So Exactly. So you think, I'm going to go fight. You know, Venom is there. I'm going to have other people helping me. I can take him. I'm going to go fight him. He's probably got some awesome drop. By the way, every boss drops a medallion, which is a unique piece of loot. Your character has one medallion slot, uh, and it gives you some unique boss-related power. Uh, from early on, you fight Green Goblin, uh, and he's, like, farting poison gas everywhere. I think that's his superpower. So the medallion that he drops gives you a chance to, like, squirt out a bunch of poison gas when you get hit. Like, 5% chance, and that's the Green Goblin medallion. Uh, so if you want that for your character, fight Green Goblin, you get that. So that's part of my thinking with Venom. oh so I, I can go fight Venom. I, I want to get his medallion see what he drops. So you run over there. And as you're getting closer, you might notice your frame rate start to stutter a little bit as you draw near to Venom, who has freaking 50 characters on screen. Maybe 30 of them are Hawkeye (laughs) attacking Venom. Your frame rate grinds to a halt. You can't see what you're shooting at crazy effects everywhere he's infecting dead bodies and they come up as symbiote zombies and they're all over the place it's just it's ludicrous it is freaking ludicrous uh if i was like a melee character i would not begin to know how to get in there and punch something i'm just holding down the attack button hoping that i'm aiming in the general direction you can see his hit point bar at the very top of the screen if you've maybe if you're mousing over him you can see it going down like it like like millimeters at a time, not even millimeters, like inch of a pixel at a time. You're shaving it down, and you're sitting there. Sometimes you die, and people will resurrect you. It's just ridiculous. Like, I appreciate what they're going for, but that first Venom battle, is, it's it's one of the most absurd things I've ever seen. You know, 30 Hawkeyes, 10 things, uh, and then the rest of us just plugging away at Venom, and he'll do his web-swinging animation and move over a screen, and it's like this, this crazy tide of superhero polygons sort of flow over to the other screen <laughs> oh golly
1: it's insane did you uh did you never fight any of the big dragons the guild wars 2
0: sure yeah absolutely uh,
1: that was that was a freaking frame per second
0: nightmare but i will say there's something different to when you're down in that kind of chaos like it, it feels uh it, it kind of feels appropriate, like it's crazy, it's insane, there's people everywhere, but you see this big dragon looming over the action. From this top-down view, where everything, like I had no idea where to aim, and there were just way too many people glommed onto Venom. Uh, uh, so I, I think it's it's partly a matter of perspective, but it's also partly a matter of it was opening weekend. I, I say opening weekend, it's like a movie. Uh, it was the launch weekend, it's a free-to-play game. I think there were just so many people in the area. There have been times since then that I've been playing later at night. I've done that battle a few times, and there aren't as many people glommed on to him. Um, but yeah, you know what? It's very much like some of those crazy events in Guild Wars. Guild Wars had a uh, a weekend where you go to this island and you fight these giant crabs, uh, and they, they also coincided that weekend event with a free-to-play weekend. So that, that to me, McMaster, was the ex- that, that was the ludicrous end of that spectrum of, of group event of public events. Um, so yeah, Guild Wars has done stuff like that. I, I guess you're right. Uh, so uh, I killed Venom. uh got the Venom medallion. Um, it's just ridiculous. There are some later times in the game where I feel some of the other public events are, are better done. It's not, hey, everybody run and, and focus fire on this one dude. There's one, once you get to the X-Men mansion, uh, and you're running around in Mutant Town, there's an event where all these sentinels appear. And as a you know, in the world as an event, eight once eight sentinels are killed, it spawns one super giant big sentinel. So it's forcing people to run around and fight these mini bosses, and then they come together on one huge towering boss, who's really easy to pick out from the crowd. Uh, I feel like that's a much better instance of their their kind of events that they've done. Um, uh, any technical issues, McMaster?
1: Um.
0: No, actually. So I'm pretty right. smooth so far. How about you? And I'm jealous. So uh, I've got two main computers that I use here at the house. Uh, on one of the computers, which is at the lower end of the, re- the system requirements, it definitely exceeds them, but it's the lower end, uh, it's just unplayable for me. Like The frame rate is just really bad. Uh, on my nice sort of higher-end system, it runs well, but I, I frequently get... As I'm playing, it feels almost like a memory leak or something. Uh, the, it'll start to stutter and the sound will break up and crackle and I can see when it's coming and then it'll just completely lock up. Uh, and it almost always happens, like it invariably happens, which is why I think it's, it's maybe a memory leak. Um, so uh, that's happened last night. I had a big boss battle where I fought the Juggernaut. It was not easy because my Jean Grey is, as I mentioned, a, a glass cannon. And I had a guy with me who was toggling between cable and the thing, and we were grouped up. Um, and so he he tanked as the thing. I stood back with Jean Grey. It was a tough battle. It felt fair. However, I really enjoyed it. We took out the Juggernaut. Near the end of the battle, the computer started sort of doing that little hitch. I started hearing the little crackly sound. Uh, we killed the Juggernaut. He popped out his medallion. There was a blue set of gloves, a bunch of greens. You have to pick up these little yellow orbs to get your experience points. As soon as that popped out, my computer started seizing up. And I was desperately trying to get one click on those blue gloves just so I could grab them, and it didn't make it. The computer seized up as I was literally, like, within a few feet of picking up the gloves, and I just couldn't get that last thing in. So the computer seized up. I rebooted it thinking, you know, oh, will it maybe start me up back here? And no, I was back at uh, Professor Xavier's Academy. So uh, just so annoying. Furthermore, I constantly, I rebind my keys. I have a different setup which actually is the same setup I use in Guild Wars, uh, every time I start the game, it's lost the rebinding. Uh, so I, I feel that's the kind of... I, I understand launch issues, but, but please, how hard can it be to have it remember my freaking bindings? Uh, so some of that's disappointing, but it's only, it's been two weeks, I think. Uh, I wish I wish they'd uh, deal with some of that. Uh, I, the, you, I don't
1: think it's been two
0: weeks yet. Well, you know what? It, so we... I think... Yeah, it... it there was a pre-release program, like yeah, you know, we'll call it a week and a half. How's that? Sounds fair. We'll split yeah. the difference. Okay. <laughs> um, so yeah, I have been having some technical difficulties, which uh, I wish they'd work out. Uh, all right. So uh, McMaster, overall, are you uh, are you kind of done with Marvel Heroes now that you've sort of sampled it? Is it something you'll think you'll fiddle with some more?
1: Oh, I think I'll play it some more. Um... I, I haven't had as much access to Windows machines lately. I know they're working on a Mac client, uh, or at least I believe I read that. So that's well, that's,
0: a like that's a waste. of time. Why would they do that? Oh my god. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm I'm in, I'm pretty enamored of it, and I think I'll be sticking with it uh, as well. So uh, yeah, I wonder how it would work to have your uh, little level four Wolverine with my level nineteen Jean Grey. Probably awfully <laughs> but it would be thematically consistent I will say Oh is that man wait a minute that's kind of creepy now that I think of it because aren't they aren't they dating oh no no okay so here's another thing at one point you walk into a nightclub you're looking for Kingpin and there's a dance floor on the nightclub and if you walk out on the dance floor I think each character has a, a context a character specific comment. So, Jean Grey walked out on the dance floor and she said something like, I should take Scott here. And I was like, What? what are, who's Scott? And what, what, I, what? Cyclops. That's what I found out. Yeah. So, she's talking about bringing it. So, her boyfriend is apparently Cyclops. I thought her boyfriend was Wolverine, but I, what do I know? No, I don't
1: know. They have some angry love triangle going on.
0: All right. Well, I'm very uncomfortable with you playing Wolverine then, McMaster. Good. Uh, all right, so uh, Marvel Heroes, uh, I think, gets a thumb up from me, and McMaster. Uh, I'll be posting a review of that in the next few days, a quarter to three. So, uh, dial that up on your computer uh, when you get a chance, uh, McMaster. Let's talk some games of the week. So, Sounds given good. the your game of the week, yeah, your game of the week cannot be Marvel Heroes. Don't pull any shenanigans like that with me.
1: Oh no, yeah, that's fine.
0: All right, what do you got, McMaster?
1: All right, well, my game of the week is Puzzles and Dragons. Which is, uh... It's a puzzle game involving dragons. Not really, I mean, I guess it does. But it's more of a, uh... (laughs) You line up pieces to give your team of monsters points in which they spin to do damage to the enemy. And uh, it's kind of like Pokemon and a uh, dungeon crawler, um... It's without much crawl. It's more of like a dungeon platform shooter.
0: McMaster, you're bearing uh, the lead. Don't try to get around this. It's some crappy free-to-play game, isn't it?
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's free-to-play, but it had so much attention, I figured I'd give it a shot, and uh, I'm not horribly impressed. I mean, it's... I don't know. It, it's a grind, really,
0: is what it is. It's, it's a hugely successful free-to-play game, though. Is, is, is this an iPhone thing? What is yeah. this silly thing? yeah. Yeah, so it's, it's an it is, iPhone, uh, free-to-play boondoggle. I think, isn't it a Swedish company who makes this? Um, it's a company called Gung Ho. Oh, maybe not. Uh, I think it's something else. Uh,
1: and, uh, yeah. It's, um... A, you, you choose, like, a dungeon track to follow. You, you build this team of monsters and take people with you, and... You get random monsters to fight, and you uh, match colors to make your monsters do special abilities to kill the enemy. And uh, a lot of people, a lot of people play this. Uh, it's very, very popular in Japan. Uh, <laughs> is that a good thing? <laughs> uh, for it it is. Uh, I mean, I. It's like you know I like a lot of uh, Japanese games and uh, I just I'm not into this one.
0: And what possessed you to pick it up? Just like curiosity? You're like, hey, this is a big deal. I'm going to try this.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, and that and it, it being free.
0: Of all course, right. But... What's there? What do they charge you for? Like, what's their uh, money? They
1: charge you for all sorts of stuff. Like you can buy. You know, you have like a certain amount of stamina. It's one of those. You know, you use stamina to.
0: Oh, to do, do actions things.
1: every day. Oh god. <laughs> uh, yeah. and they build up like you get one every twenty minutes or something, of course. Of course you can uh you know, make that a little faster if you like via your pocketbook.
0: Mm hmm. Uh, McMaster, right. is this game better or worse than sorority life? Wow. Um I would
1: say it's better than sorority life. Alright, so it's got that going for it. I mean, it's like I don't know. It, 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 at first, it looks like something like Candy Crush or Pe- or what's the original, the the one um, Warhammer Quest. Beju- yeah, yeah, that uh, Bejeweled. Oh, right. um, <laughs> But you you arrange all of your pieces. You don't just swap pieces. Uh, so I guess you're trying to make all these complex arrangements. It just kind of doesn't work for me, though. I don't know.
0: McMaster, what level are you in Puzzles and Dragons?
1: I think rank 10,
0: I think. So, McMaster, so, you are higher level in Puzzle and Dragons than you are in Marvel Heroes. Uh,
1: I have a lot more access to my phone when I'm bored than I
0: do my <laughs> computer when I'm bored. Fair enough. Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> uh, all right, Puzzle and Dragons. McMaster, what would you give it on a 7 to 9 scale? Uh, I would give it a... 7.5
1: whoa I know it's harsh oh it is I thought that was yeah that actually that is
0: kind of harsh isn't it that's sort mm-hmm. of oh, like a 7 to 9 scale that's pretty bad yeah that's that's 7.5 that's like a that's like an 8.1 at IGN I know that's
1: yeah and that's that is you might harsh. as well just jump out of a building yeah
0: that's that's I mean, that's taking food out of developers mouths that's terrible oh yes yeah I feel bad about it alright Puzzle so, and Dragons uh mcmaster's game of the week they can actually put that on their little itunes page jason mcmaster game of the week now that's uh that's yes something. yeah
1: they can totally do that if they if they
0: want i mean it doesn't have to be positive i mean <laughs> that is true that's something that not i want listeners to keep in mind just because you've chosen it as your game of the week doesn't necessarily mean you condone it or endorse it correct mcmaster right all right that is correct Uh, All right, McMaster. My game of the week is – we'll talk more about uh, Last of Us. uh, A review for that will be uh, posted probably by the time you finish listening to this podcast, uh, assuming you listen to it as soon as it goes live. Um, That's a game that we'll talk more about when uh, more folks have had a chance to play it. I liked it. Um, Wow. But not as a game. It's a horrible game. But uh, once again, Naughty Dog uh, does a great job with some storytelling. Uh, they just don't manage to support it with, with gameplay very well. Uh, but some great storytelling, some great characters. Uh, certainly I can imagine people will be uh, – it will it'll have a lot of emotional impact for a lot of people. Uh, and it certainly so did for, for me as well. So which is
1: more enjoyable, Uncharted 3 or
0: that one? You know, when I hear you ask that, McMaster, it almost sounds like you're trying to ask me which is more fun. I, I I am. Without, you're, just, you're using you know. a different word. And you're trying to trick me. Did it work? <laughs> uh, it did work. I would definitely prefer to play. I did not like Uncharted 3 at all. I, I just felt... Uh, so In one of the problems with Uncharted 3 is just as a shooter, I don't... Uh, it, it, this is the story for Uncharted 3 I didn't care about, and the gameplay was never that great anyway. Uh, so I definitely prefer Last of Us, because the story I did care about a lot. It's, it's a very well done story for the most part. Uh, and the two characters are, uh, are, are just really memorable, and there are some, and I don't say this lightly, there are a couple of emotionally devastating moments in the game, and it's something that not many games manage. Uh, I, I just wish oh. that when it came time to, like, shoot bandits and fight their little weird fungus zombies or whatever they were, I wish that that didn't feel like such a chore to get to the next story beat, um, but yeah. If I if, it, if I had my rather if it came down to Tom, you have to play Uncharted three again or Last of Us again. Which would you rather play? Easily, uh, Last of Us. Um, well, wow. that, oh, that's so, that's good. Yeah, so it's good. they could By the way, uh, Sony, you can put that on the box if you want.
1: Uh, however, yeah, you cannot. Naughty Dog is going to clamor
0: for that one. <laughs> <laughs> that's uh, a great what, what, pull quote. You know what they can't put on the box? This game isn't as bad as your other game. Exactly, right. Uh, (laughs) They can't put on the box that it's my game of the week, though, because I'm not picking it for game of the week, at least not this week. Uh, Instead, I'm also going to pick an iPhone game like you, McMaster, to show a little solidarity with you. Uh, My game of the week is a port of a board game for the iPad called Agricola. McMaster, have you ever played the board game Agricola?
1: No, but I' I've seen
0: it a few times. Do you know like you would look at Agricola and it's got like uh, you, you know like vegetables and sheep and, and, and ovens and cooking pots and and you have a family and stuff? Um, it's, a, it's an adorable game in terms of theme. Do you realize McMaster how deceptive that is? Uh, and that Agricola is in fact one of the most brutal, board games you could ever play. I did not know that. I just want to warn you, going in, what looks like a cute little game, it's instead a game, it's it's brutally punishing, it's about starvation, it's about not having enough reed to make a roof for your house, it's about having... You know, waiting too late to plant plant crops, so your family has to go begging in the streets. It's about you don't have enough wood to build fences to keep enough cows, so you have to slaughter some of them and and eat them rather than let them roam free. Um, Agricola is is brutal. Uh, The developer is a guy named Uwe Rosenberg, who uh, it's a huge success, of course, for him and the company that published it. He also made another relatively brutal game called Le Havre, which is about a harbor town and running businesses. Le Havre is nowhere near as brutal as Agricola. Uh, every time I break out Agricola from, from my gaming group, I, I kind of regret it once we're a few turns in, because I realize how punishing it can be for new players. Uh, they think, oh, look, you know, little pigs and sheeps, and I'm making a pasture. But then their family is starving to death, and they, they don't have anything they can do to help themselves, and they, they're reduced to day laboring or going to the fishing hole to get meager scraps of food and uh, so now you can experience that brutality on your iPhone, and it's even more deceptively cute on the iPhone because there's all these little adorable animations of a creek and and the little cows' ta- tails wag and and whatnot, and the little sheep will bleat, and there's a different icon for each of your family members. You know, in the board game, the family members are just uh, little round uh, wooden. Uh, pucks basically but now they've got little pictures and you can customize the different pictures for your family members and uh, it's it's just a the presentation is just insufferably cute and I mean that in a good way you can also toggle a, uh, an option to just make it more functional if you want um, but uh, as far as that cuteness that's there uh, if if that's what you're looking for uh, it's still a brutally difficult game of course Uh, One of the things I love about the iPad version, in addition to how functional you can make it, um, is I'd forgotten how difficult the setup can be for Agricola. You know, lots of little pieces, lots of resources. uh, There's several different boards. Um, I'm, again, just reminded how a good board game port, and that's definitely what this Agricola port is, how it lets you appreciate a game without the complicated setup time, without having to round up a bunch of friends to play. Uh, so, uh, this is from Play Uh, if you were acquainted with their previous games, you know that they put a lot of care and attention into their ports. They did Ascension. Uh, since Ascension, they've done Summoner Wars and, and another uh, card game called Nightfall. Uh, I really think they've outdone themselves with this port of Agricola. It's just gorgeous and functional, uh, both at once, and I, I really appreciate that. That said, Agricola is a game with a lot of little exceptions to the rules based on these occupation improvement cards. Like, when you sit down to play Agricola once... It, it might be completely different from the last time you played because you'll have different occupations and improvements. And these little cards are just crazy little rule tweaks. Le Havre had something similar, by the way. Uh, crazy little rule tweaks that make, that make that make you play different ways. And one of the difficult things about playing the board game and playing this port is how frequently you need to check your cards. Like, I'm constantly having to look back to see what... What does the, the dove house do? What does the, uh, the mayor card do? Uh, what does this Dibic stick do for me? Because you end up, you start out with a huge hand of these and you end up only playing a few of them. So I'm constantly forgetting. I'm constantly having to go over to the screen on, where my farm is and click on each of these cards that I've played to see what they do. Uh, one of the things I love is that when you first start someone out playing Agricola, you deal them a bunch of these cards just randomly, and you're like, okay, here's what you've got, seven improvements, seven occupations, here are 14 crazy rule tweaks you may or may not use, go. And a lot of times you can't get a synergy going, or you don't appreciate the mechanics enough, and so you're kind of undone before you even begin by all these crazy cards. Uh, the way I think you're supposed to play Agricola, and this is supported in the iPad version, which I really appreciate, is with this draft dynamic. Where you get 17 of these, 14 of these cards, 7 improvements, 7 occupations, and you do a draft mechanic where you pick one of each and then you pass them to the left. And so you're given 6 new cards and you pick some of those. So you're basically winnowing down in this pregame, uh, segment which crazy cards you get, which crazy rule tweaks you want to go for. Um, and I feel it adds a lot to Agricola to play that way, and I love that you can do that in this iPad version. Um, it does of course support online play. Uh, I haven't been able to try that yet because the game hasn't, isn't live until, uh, I think, Thursday, June 13th, I think. Um, so I haven't seen that yet, but given Playdex's record with Ascension, Summoner Wars, and Nightfall, uh, I suspect they've probably done a very good job of supporting the, the online play. Um, so uh, it's also uh, got great documentation. You can look up and read a rule book that comes with it, which is pretty thorough. Uh, I do feel, however, the tutorials, they do a good job of showing you where to click to do certain things, but they they don't do a very good job of of presenting how the game unfolds. You know, at this stage, this happens, and then you turn over these cards, and this happens, and this can happen differently from that. Um, there's a, there's an overall structure of Agricola that the tutorial, it, it would be baffling to a first-time player, uh, and I think they could have done a better job job presenting the actual gameplay mechanics in the tutorial. Um, That said, if you're willing to read the rules, uh, this is a great way to learn Agricola without having to buy the board game and scare up a bunch of friends to to play with them. So, So McMaster, you and I, let's play Agricola. All right. You will have to live in a wood house. It will not have a roof. You will have one hog living in the house with you because you can't afford a pasture. And you will have one grain seed... But you won't be able to plow it because I will have gotten to the plow action before you. So all you'll be able to do is to bake the seed of grain in your crude fireplace to make uh, two pieces of bread. And then for the rest of your food, your family will have to go begging.
1: That sounds great.
0: Okay. Now me, on the other hand, I'm going to have bounteous fields just full of cattle. Uh, we're going to have a, a crazy advanced hearth going. Uh, I will be the mayor of the town and the lord of the manor and the burgermeister and the magistrate. Um, and uh, I'll be brimming with wealth and food. That
1: what do you sounds, think of that? I mean, it sounds good. I mean, <laughs> uh, I don't think it's uh, – I can't see anything wrong with that setup. I, I think we'll both have a fair chance at winning.
0: Good. All right. Let's do it. Uh uh, have you played so you, you've never played uh, la Havre or Agricola right
1: I've played La Havre with you several times ah that's right how'd that go, my pastor? <laughs> shut up <laughs> uh, um, uh, that's right yeah
0: how many sh- how many ships did you get I always ended up not getting many ships yeah you had to eat raw fish you couldn't even smoke your fish for your workers and uh, yeah that's right <laughs> yeah it was a, it was a great time <laughs> it really is like I, I love these games, these uh, sort of advanced – I say advanced. They're, they're basic versions you can play. They're easier ways to – they're ways to introduce people to these games by playing a scaled-down version. Uh, but I always feel like that's a poor representation of what the game actually does. So a lot of times I will dump my friends just into, you know, here's the full game with all the brutal difficulty. Uh, it can just be so dispiriting to see a first-time player just unable to get a basic economy going in Le Havre and uh, Agricola. so So buck up McMaster it gets better once you've learned the game a little bit more well that's good (laughs) Uh, alright so uh, there we go Uh, Marvel Heroes were both thumbs up McMaster's game of the week he doesn't even like Puzzles and Dragons Um, I do recommend Last of Us and uh, I'm really digging Agricola uh, on the iPad McMaster what are we going to do for folks next week Bring them, uh, let's see. We'll probably stand
1: up a guest and uh, talk about Facebook games.
0: Oh, no, you know what? Actually I will tease next week. Next week, we will be chronicling things that are occult. Oh So uh, join us for that and uh, our, our guest will be Vic Davis. So uh, join us for that next week on behalf of myself and Jason, Alabama Thor McMaster. <clears throat> I thank you for joining us and look forward to talking to everyone next week. Name the music, McMaster. Uh, Is it Thor? (laughs) Well, keep going. You've named one-fifth, actually one-fifth, I don't know. You've named a portion of the music. Yeah. Uh,
1: The Avengers theme?
0: Yes! McMaster, you win. (laughs) I have to say, as much as I love the movie, I feel that this music is so, it's such throwaway, forgettable theme. Like, who can hum the Avengers theme?
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah. Remember it's this part, my Pastor? This oh, crazy. this is my
0: jam. Remember this part?
1: Oh God, it's like goosebumps, you know? <laughs> I mean, R.L. Stine was- goosebumps, not. <laughs> <laughs>
0: That sounds like something from the (laughs) A-Team.